Hey, come on, church family, give the Lord your best clap today for 50 years of his faithfulness to this church family. Hey, it's so good to be back with you after being out for a couple of weeks. Thanks to Pastor Eddie, Pastor Micah for standing in. And I want to welcome you, and I want to ask you to help me welcome those who are here with us in the room. Find someone to your left or your right. Come on, tell them that you are glad that they are here. Come on, tell someone you're looking good in the house of God today. While you're doing that, I'll say thank you for joining us. Those of you who are joining us online, come on, thanks for making time to worship Jesus with us. We're going to grow in our faith together today. Lots to appreciate, lots to commemorate, lots to celebrate today. Come on, 50 years of God's hand of faithfulness on this church family. That is something to celebrate. Did you know that God really called the people throughout the Bible to take time, to make moments, to commemorate the times where God would move in their life, to set aside specific days and times and seasons and festivals to remember what God had done in their lives. So that's what we're doing today. And listen, as exciting and joy-filled as today's occasion is for me, as, as it is for us as a church family, I wanna encourage you with something. I believe it's also exciting to God. Because Jesus came and lived his life and gave his life and rose again, not to build a building or a denomination or establish a conference, nothing wrong with any of those things in and of themselves. He came to die and establish the church of Jesus Christ. And we see it in Matthew chapter 16. If I didn't tell you to turn there, turn to Matthew 16. That's where we're about to read from. The church is what Jesus died to establish. You remember, I'll paraphrase this passage before we read verse 18. Jesus has showed up on the scene and there's people talking about all the things that are going on in the day and all the ways that Jesus is, is moving and doing miracles and healing the sick and, and the lame and the blind. And they say, who do, who do you say? Jesus said, who do you say that I am? Because some people say you're the, a prophet, Elijah, you're Jeremiah, you're a good man. And he said, but who do you say that I am? And did you know that really is the most important question any of us will ever answer? Who is Jesus to you? There's a lot of opinions about what people think or who people think that Jesus is or was. Who is Jesus to you? Is he, a, is he a good religious figure? Is he kind of a standard of morality? Is he a prophet of old? Or is he your Lord and your Savior? And that's where Peter answers. He said, some people say you're this, that, or the other. But he said, but I believe that you are the Christ, the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And Jesus said, blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, for flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father in heaven. And he renames Simon Peter. He says, I'm going to call you Peter, Petros, and on this rock I will what? Build my church. And you know what we discover later on in the Bible is that the rock really wasn't Peter the person. Because, you know, Peter was up one day and down the next. Really, Peter was kind of, he, 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 was, he, was, he was inconsistent. He was anything but a rock. The rock was the revelation of who Jesus really is and was and always will be. That's the revelation that he is what? Building his church. In times of cultural decay, God always builds something to preserve his people. How many of you would agree that we are in a time of cultural decay where people are turning away in the masses from God, from the Bible, and from the Bible's standard of morality? Can we agree that that's the day and the hour that we live in? And one day, God built an ark to preserve his righteous remnant. 
And in this day and this hour in your life and my life, the privilege that we get is to partner with the Lord Jesus Christ as now to preserve the culture and to make a way for him to return again and to save and rescue his people. He's building his church. And the church isn't, a, isn't just a building. Again, it's not a denomination, nothing wrong with those things, but the church is built of living stones. Did you know that Christ, the Bible says in 1 Peter chapter 2, is the cornerstone? In other words, nothing could ever be built without him. It would all fall. It would all crumble. Everything that God's done, 50 years of faithfulness in this place, in this people, in this church, it all is because of the faithfulness and the goodness and the lordship of the Lord Jesus Christ. Don't let any person take too much credit for it. Someone say amen. But there's this divine tension. Because he says, Christ is the cornerstone, but he says, but you are living stones being built into a spiritual house. And you know, I appreciate that he says living stones in 1 Peter 2 verse 5. He says, you're living stones being built into a spiritual temple. And what's more, you speaking yes to you, not just to the person to your left or your right, not just to elders and Sunday school teachers, but you are God's holy priests. And through the mediation of Jesus Christ, it's all because of him, it's all through him, you offer spiritual sacrifices that please God. You know something I appreciate is that he says that he's building this church of living stones, not living bricks. And you know, bricks, they kind of all are shaped the same and look the same. But do you know that stones are all unique? Some are big, some are small. That's probably, I probably should move on from that revelation right there before I get myself in trouble. Wisdom is kicking in right here and I'm... Some are smooth, some are rough. Some, they come from different places, but they all come together. And when they're in the hand of a master craftsman, something beautiful begins to be built. Did you know that you're a living stone? And did you know that you are a part of what God is building, of what Jesus came and lived and died and rose again to establish the church of Jesus Christ? And it's not an outdated concept, as some people might say. Amen. It's still more relevant. In fact, I would tell you that today, this, what we are doing, and more than what we're doing, who we are as a people is more important to the world around us than ever before. And the Bible says it's true as well. In Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25, he says, you ought to get considered how you can gather together, stir one another up to love and good works. And then he says, don't neglect meeting together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another all the more, someone say all the more, as you see the day, speaking of the day of the Lord returning or drawing near. Listen, I'm not sure when that day, the return of the Lord Jesus Christ is, but here's what I know. We're 50 years closer to it than we were in 1972 when a few young men began to gather for a Bible study that became this church that is influencing this city, that is influencing this nation, that is reaching all around the world to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ. And he says, all the more, he says, as you get closer, it's going to become even more important that you are who I say you are and that you do what I've called you to do, to come together as living stones and to allow the master craftsman to begin to move and shape in your individual life. As some of you, maybe you still got some rough edges, but he's working on you. He's not finished with you because there's a place in the wall. There's a place in the building spiritually that he is building and it looks just like you. And no one else can fit into it. And no one else can take the place. 
There's a grace, there's a calling. You say, well, oh, but Pastor T, you, if you only knew what I did, what I said, what I've done, what I'm thinking, what I'm going through right now. Uh, listen, I get it. You know what? That's even part of, the, of what God is gonna use in your life. What he's seen you through, what he's brought you through. I, 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 I see some leaders around here who have been in this church. Believe it or not, there's many precious people who have been here for much of that 50 years. It's hard to believe because you look so young, but it's true. And here's what I know they would tell you is that there were some rough patches. There were some difficult seasons. There were some hard days. There were some moments where we weren't sure exactly how it was going to go. And I just got to tell you how, as I was preparing to speak in this moment and, and to set up this amazing video that we're about to watch, it documents just a little bit of the history of the origins of our church and the faithfulness of God to us as a people. I was just struck with this just sense, this overwhelming, this thing that began to rise up on the inside of me, this just measure of gratitude for who Jesus is and what he did to make this all possible, individually and collectively. And then gratitude for just all the precious people that I thought about who served and sacrificed and gave and served and sacrificed and showed up when it wasn't easy or wasn't convenient and, and had the meetings to navigate the things and find God's way and persevered in prayer. Because how many of you know to build anything that lasts 50 years, you're going to have to persevere. Anywhere where there's promise, where there's power, where there's potential. And how many know that's what exists in the church? Remember what Jesus said? He said, on this rock, I'll build my church. And what did he say after that? And the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And I'm just telling you that more than anything, the politicians, the, the things that need to be overturned, the things that need to be established more than any of those things, and some of them are good things, we ought to pray, we ought to vote, we ought to step in, we ought to step out, we ought to speak out. But more than any other of those things, what's going to bring change to hearts and change to homes and change to Lawrence, lovely Lawrence, Kansas, and change to these United States of America and every dark corner of this world is a returning to God and the morality and the word of God and the Bible as the standard of life and Jesus as Lord and Savior. If you believe it, say amen. And come on, we ought to give Jesus our best clap in that moment. He's entrusted that message to you and I. He, he, he's, in, he's, he's calling us to be the living stones that build something that stand as a monument. A monument to a God who wasn't content to just be far away and stay on his heavenly throne. It would have been much more comfortable. It would have been much easier. He wasn't content. He saw us and he loved us just where we were in the midst of a life that had careened out of control because of our pride, sin, and rebellion. And say, no, Pastor T, that was Adam and Eve. Trust me, if they hadn't blown it, you or I would have blown it for us. And he loved us in that condition in that place, if you're going through something today, I'm telling you, the Bible is very clear. He doesn't love you just on the other side of the cross. The motivation for the cross of Jesus Christ, while we were far from him, while we were his enemies, that's when he set into motion the plan to send Jesus to rescue you and I. So maybe you're going through something today. Maybe you're far from God today. Maybe there's an obstacle in your life today. Maybe there's opposition in your life today. Maybe you made the mistake. Maybe you did the thing. Maybe you said the thing. Maybe you're trapped in sin. Maybe you're caught up in bondage. I'm telling 
telling you today that God sent his son, Jesus Christ, to build the church that would stand as a monument for a God who loved the world too much that he was unwilling to stay in his heavenly throne. He came and he got right down in the middle of the very darkness and the dirtiness of our lives. And he said, I'm going to make a way for you to get clean and to get forgiven and to be made whole, those broken places, those hurting places to be mended together in a way that you can't do in a way that the bottle or the pill or the doctors, they might can help you a little bit. There's temporary peace or there's a temporary solution, but there's, there's a lasting peace and forgiveness and redemption and restoration that is found in Jesus Christ. That was the origin. That was the motivation. That was the, that was the impetus. That was the thing that caused this church to come into being in 1972 when a group of young people were disillusioned with some of the things, disillusioned with religion, and they said, we want to encounter the reality of a Jesus who loves people even when they're far from him, and we want to encounter the reality of the fullness of the power of the Holy Spirit that transcends religion and actually brings the power to be changed, to be healed, to be made whole, to be made new. That's what started this church. And with that, I want you to turn your attention to these screens. And I want you to just, would you open your heart to see this not just as kind of a history of the church and the legacy, but to see it as something that whether you've been part of it, whether you're in the video, or whether today you're here for the first time by the Spirit of God, to understand that this is something that God is making you a part of. This is something that God is bringing you into. This is something that God has for you. This is a calling. This is a part of the grace and the call and the purpose of your life to be a living stone that's being built into a spiritual house to stand as a monument for a good God who loved us just the way we were, but loved us too much to leave us there. He sent Jesus. Take a look at this video. So what a thing to celebrate 50 years of God's faithfulness and to also know that because God's been so faithful over the years that the future is bright, that he's not done yet, that there's more that he desires to do, that there's a new and a next because previous generations have been faithful with the now of God. All the ways that God desires to move in and through this church in this next season to bring revival to our city and our region and our nation is all tied to this amazing, vibrant, rich, heritage of faith, decades of faithfulness to serve God, to reach people in our community.
church absolutely was influenced by the Jesus movement. I think God began to stir the hearts, particularly of young people, that he had more. We were uh, disenchanted with traditional church. It was a rebellious time. We wanted something new, something different. There was a need for more, and I didn't know what it was. You have to understand the culture at the time, the hippie movement, and that meant drugs, sex, and bucking authority. One thing no one foresaw was the rebellion of a number of young people today against the establishment, an establishment represented by their elders. And they're trying to relate to people who are really entirely outside of the establishment, and they can't do that. I came out of that culture. I was a drug dealer, and uh, so I got stoned and went to church, and as soon as I walked in, I was straight. The way I came to know Jesus was definitely because of the Jesus movement that was sweeping the country. We were just hungry, hungry for reality and hungry for God. There was more to our walk with the Lord than what we knew about. Many people were so open and so hungry that they just immediately gave their lives to Christ. And then when the movement started and we got connected with Jesus, it was like new life. We didn't know we were as broken as we were at the time. Well, it was during this time of revival that our church started. Bob Mendelson, Steve Churchill, and Chris Samuelson came down from Kansas City to start a Bible study, focused on reaching the college-age students and young adults of this city. The starting point was in 1972. They uh, officially began with a house on 1538 Tennessee. Then named Mustard Seed Fellowship. Well, it was jam-packed with young adults who were on fire for Jesus and who wanted to see lives changed. And Bob Mendelson really was the first leader of this church who spearheaded this passion and vision. Bob just would love people. You could see it in their character. Their heart was for people to fall in love with Jesus, especially college kids coming to that awareness of what you were really looking for. You have to remember this movement was not accepted by the conventional churches at all. And that didn't, never stopped them, but it, it attracted the students. And they became my family. We witnessed downtown, we witnessed on campus, we handed out tracts, we invited the homeless to come and stay. Sometimes they lived there. They even baptized people up on campus in, in Potter's Pond. What I remember was Bob stood on the corner down on Massachusetts Street with his overalls and his keypot on, and he shared Jesus. They were really wise in that they had prayed and asked for some older council people to come in. We were growing with families, with children, and the college kids, what are we supposed to do? You know, we need some help, Lord. They realized they're young. They needed some older people to come in and come alongside of them. And that's what led them to seek out Nick and Inika. Well, my parents were saved at a Billy Graham crusade in, in South Africa about a year before they immigrated here to the States. And both gave their lives to Christ, got saved, and were very excited about what happened to them. And in the late 60s, they began hearing about what was called the charismatic movement. And so they, they both began to search for places where that was happening. And one of them was in Topeka. People would always recognize me if I said, oh, Nick and Inika are my grandparents. 
and it felt like everyone in Lawrence knew who they were because they didn't know a stranger. They loved people. They loved getting to know people. They really valued people and cared for them well. There was a group of people that were involved in what was called the Charismatic Renewal, and that was very similar and at the same time as the Jesus Movement. And my parents had meetings in their home. Bob Mendelson had heard that there was a renewal meeting happening in my parents' home, and so he went and introduced himself to my dad. They both wanted the same thing, to experience the power of the Holy Spirit, full salvation that leads to a relationship with God. They both wanted that. These two groups joined together, young college-age students and older believers. Our church continued to grow out of that, and Nick Willens became our first official pastor. So it was constant growth numerically, and there was, of course, with that, a lot of spiritual growth that took place, and a lot of people's lives continued to be impacted. The house got packed out, there wasn't room, so they decided we need to find something else. We started out in the house, quickly moved to a church building. We met in a school. Moved from place to place, they would meet in bank buildings, wherever they could find a place to host. From a bank that got packed out and recognizing uh, we need to do something different. And there was a need for a facility that could accommodate the, the number of people. We realized we needed a building of our own because we were also starting to have more families. Where do the children go and how do we fund it? This is a young group of people, young families, not established uh, people with lots of money. <laughs> So through a very generous financial gift from a neighbor of Nick's, our first building was purchased and located in East Lawrence. It took a tremendous amount of volunteer labor because it used to be a car dealership. It had quite a bit of remodeling to do. It wasn't real big, kind of a medium-sized building, and for a couple years we really did outgrow that. Once again, the Lord miraculously provided for us the land to build our second building on North Michigan Street. The congregation really came forward and helped with the construction of that building. As the people began to grow the, the services, we actually had to go to two services. It's a good sign that after a number of years, we realized we need to think into the future more to get even a, a bigger building because our congregation was growing so much and people were coming and people were hungry for the Word of God. And it started growing. Uh, it was very obvious that we needed a bigger facility and it's just so cool how the Lord provided this wonderful property. had a member of our church who was on the building committee and we were wanting to build. Well, this was pasture land out here. There was nothing out here except Wakarusa was a little two-lane country road. There was this 10 acres out in nowhere and uh, we got it for a really good price. None of the commercial development, none of the housing development was out here when they bought this land. I think that took a lot of vision and foresight, a lot of risk. The elders had to take financial risk. Elders who were older literally put their homes on the line to as collateral because again, we were a young church in the eyes of the, of the bank. They had their doubts, and, and the person on the building committee knew a real estate a gentleman who owned a real estate company here in Lawrence, and he went to him and he said, do you need a write-off? 
for the new year. And the guy said, well, yeah, I do. I could use that. They took this land, 150,000, and he wrote 75,000 of it off. From that time, before we had actually started getting ready to build, the real estate agent came back uh, and offered the church double what we had paid to get the property back because in that time frame, they began to see the potential of West Lawrence. I remember when we came out for the groundbreaking, there was just so much excitement in the air. I remember it being a really worshipful time that we just were so thankful. We were all in a circle, gathered around. We actually had the shovels and some of our leaders dug into the ground. And it was just exciting to think about what God had planned for us. God was just orchestrating all these changes that had taken place from 23rd Street to North Michigan to out here, and then providing all this space. You think, well, how are we going to use all this? But if you look around, we're using it. Little did we know that Lawrence would grow and grow and pretty soon would engulf that little bit of land that we had purchased. And now it feels like we're right in the middle of Lawrence when we did feel on the outskirts. God knew what he was doing. And I think the elders had a little inkling, but if you'd asked them, did they ever think it would turn out the way it has, they would have said, no, we wouldn't have ever imagined that. Exciting group of people who are going to be baptized. There are going to be five people. And this is number one. Can you see him down here? This is Nathan Hamber. So it's been exciting to see as our church has grown over the many, many years, just all of the, the ways God has moved in our church and the people and different ministries and so many salvations and baptisms and just how God has moved to set people free. And to try to sum up the decade of the 90s and how this church and this building was used, that there's just not enough time to do it. There's just so much. This building has been used and used and used. We had three services on Sundays. God was still doing a ton at the church. People were giving their lives to the Lord, being filled with the Holy Spirit. There was just an explosion of outreach. Something we called T-Bock, taking back our city. And it was a missions trip to Lawrence where the youth of our city focused on reaching people in Lawrence, Kansas. I think at one point there was even a half pipe in our parking lot because we were trying to reach the skaters of Lawrence in the 90s because skating was such a big deal. Uh, we took missions trips, first of all to our city and then to other places like Greensburg when it got hit by an F4 tornado. We had people going all around the world, Honduras, the Solomon Islands, Costa Rica, Africa. We supported a missionary and his ministry in the Solomon Islands that actually translated the first book ever in their indigenous language, which was the Book of Mark. The church wanted to really reach out to the community and uh, we put on this program, Heaven's Gates, Hell's Flames. It was a massive production for us at the time. A lot of people got saved, a lot of people got pulled into the church. We were writing musicals and plays and producing our own content. We were doing ministries in the streets, but people were getting saved and people were getting excited about Jesus. At the time, one of our younger people, David Taylor, really wanted to start an entire production of multimedia ministry, and it was called Revolutions, and uh, it was really a, a presentation of the gospel. 
a feature-length film was produced out of that called The Prodigal. He had a vision to do this production at the Lead Center. And at the time, everybody said, oh, well, you're not going to get the Lead Center. I mean, you're really uh, wishing uh, upon a star there, but David really believed in it. And lo and behold, uh, the Lord provided the Lead Center, and it was amazing. And David currently is serving in the Middle East as a missionary, which really bled out of this entire vision. So in 2015, we're living in Brownsville, Texas, and serving in a wonderful church in a community that we really loved. And for 12 years, I'd been a worship and youth pastor in two churches that we really loved. But the Lord began to speak to us individually. And one morning in my quiet time, I remember the Lord speaking to me and he said, Thomas, I'm calling you and your family to become prepared to be the answer to the prayer of a precious group of people that you're yet to meet. He said, I'm calling you and your family to the heart of the nation because I'm after the heart of the nation. But in that moment, we did not know that this was that church. This was that precious group of people who were beginning to pray and seek and trust the Lord for a new season, a next season, after many amazing years of faithfulness and impact in this community. I remember the time when Pastor Thomas was coming up to the church for the first time. He hadn't been inside the doors, hasn't, hadn't uh, visited the campus. And I'm driving him up here and we're turning into the parking lot and he asks me, does the church have a site plan? In other words, he's asking, does the church have a, a, a vision for this 10 acres? And I thought, wow, this guy's a visionary. He's seeing things different. These are fresh eyes. And it was really cool. It was really cool to see that side of him already. One of our first trips here to Lawrence, we had the opportunity to go just across the street here to a restaurant with Pastor Peter and Alice Willems. And we just got to sit with them and talk and we asked them questions. They asked us questions and it was just a really neat time for us just to sit and get to know each other and talk about the church. We're so happy and delighted to pass off the baton as we did physically to the next generation. And what's been incredible is how they are still here. They're still serving. They're still supporting us. I hug Alice every single chance I see her in the lobby. It's just been such a, an honor and joy to my heart how they're still a huge part of our church family today. I am so grateful for the foundation that was laid before me the prayers that were sown, and that's something that I can just continue as a, a leader now, build on that foundation that's already a firm foundation in Christ Jesus. It seems like the harvest is just getting greater and greater throughout the years. Pastor Thomas brought the vision to the board. It's time to look into renovating the building, renovating the grounds. With any major decision, we're committed to being in full and complete agreement. And this is, this is a big deal. We're, we're talking big dollars. We love our church and we love our church building and we've had a great facility and I think we've made use of it well and I think we've taken good care of it over the years, but yet just like anything, after many, many years, it's, it's gonna start breaking down and um, needing some updates. It's not that it wasn't great before, it was super great, but it's nice to see how much better it has gotten. Renovation always brings some excitement. Um, within the families, within the community. It's been incredible to see the transformation of the building from where it was to where it is now today. I just sense that there was, uh, the grace of God was upon the process 
We're bought into what God is doing here, and we're going to provide the best that we can. We're going to bring the best in our offerings. We're going to bring the best in our giving because God's worthy of that, and it just translated over into our facility through the renovation. really set us up for what was to come. Little did we know at the time, but a pandemic was about to happen. God knew, and so we were fully equipped and prepared to step right into that. It had allowed us to really already be in process of online church and, and reaching people beyond the four walls of the, of the building. and I just, I'm so grateful, I'm so thankful, humbled. It was a bit of a roller coaster and there, there were some pretty daring decisions, I look back, and, but uh, the Lord absolutely carried us through. I'm so grateful and He's not done. He is not done yet. years that's that is an incredible statement for a church and for a people that so many years ago believed in faith as a mustard seed of what God could build and now to see that mustard seed grow into a tree that's affecting not only Lawrence but the Topeka area and around the nation right now and even around the world is an incredible and incredible testimony I'm amazed that it's been 50 years to begin with it's almost like you can say it was yesterday, but God never stops moving. He never stops doing something. Change is absolutely necessary. I believe the anointing was on Bob and Nick and Ronnie. It's that same anointing, a fresh anointing on the current leadership and Pastor T. See where the Lord has brought us from for, for the future and for him to guide us uh, into greater and bigger things. He has wonderful plans for us individually and for our church body. You have to move with the Holy Spirit. You have to be willing to change and be open to what He's doing. And if you're not, you're gonna become a, a dead church. I don't ever wanna be in a dead church. I wanna be in a church that's moving and that's alive. I feel like our next generation has opened up so many more doors here in Lawrence to reach out, to encourage, and to build up other churches around us and pour life into our community. Those people that started the church and the people that have continued just the movement, it matters what they did. And so as a young leader now, we have the opportunity to impact further generations as we've been impacted by these former generations. So I think that's what's so awesome about being a part of Rev City is just knowing that God's had his hand on this church and have been anointing it for over 50 years now. I, I believe that the future is, is extremely bright for Rev City Church. We have the foundation of the past that we can, we can rest on, but we don't want to rest on our laurels, obviously. We want to move forward. 
I'm so excited for what the future holds. I'm so excited to see my family continue to grow at Rev City, but also just to see the new families that come in and continue on the heritage that has been Rev City Church. But what really excites me is knowing the kids that were raised up in this church 20 and 30 years ago who are doing wonderful things in the kingdom of God, who's next? Who's next? God's not done with this church. I, I just, it's hard to believe. It's just awesome where we've come from, where the Lord has brought us today. It's amazing. It blows my mind. At the end of 50 more years, we'll look back and say, wow, look what God did. He's always doing new things, but he's not throwing the old things out the window. He has ways to take what has been a past, a part of this church, intertwine it with what he's doing today. He wants to continue to cause this church to grow. You know, when I think about 50 years of God's faithfulness, I think about the idea that God introduces himself as the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And his heart is for multiple generations to be serving together. And it reminds us that we are now just playing our part mm -hmm. to be faithful with the season and the assignment that God has entrusted to us. And that in the same way that we are now standing upon and building upon, the faithfulness of a previous generation, that's now our assignment, that's your assignment. And to be able to pass something ahead and pass something on to the next generation, knowing that they'll have a previous generation and 70 years of God's faithfulness to look back to and to draw strength and encouragement from. Yeah, come on. Hey, would you stand to your feet? And I want to encourage you this morning before we pray and worship one more time. And you know, I just want to encourage you, God's not done. He's not done. He's still moving in your life and my life. He's still moving in and through this church. And I watched that video and I just got emotional as I was just um, encouraged in my spirit that the same thing that has that, that originated, the, the, the motivation, maybe over the years, the methods change, but the message can never change. And even as the methods change, the motivation can never change. If it ever becomes about anything besides introducing people to Jesus, but I believe that because now we even have this, some of you maybe didn't even know that you were a part of all of that. And that's just a snapshot 
of what God's done in and through us as a people over 50 years of faithfulness. But now we have that, the Bible talks about being surrounded, that we can run our race in the book of Hebrews because we're surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. And I just want to encourage you that as you, as you watch that today, regardless of whether you were a part of dec decades of that history or whether you're here for the first time today by a divine appointment with the Spirit of God, that I want to encourage you today that God wants to bring faith, faith, faith for your future, faith for your future, faith for the future of your marriage, faith for the future of your life, faith for the future of your ministry, faith for the future of your business, your company, faith for the future of the calling that God has, has imparted to you. That today, that is, we're not just celebrating as we look back, but God's calling us to commemorate and remind ourselves of all the ways that He has seen us through because of His faithfulness. And I appreciate all the ways that people served and gave and sacrificed. But again, much of what God does, He does in spite of us. Only He deserves the glory. So come on, can we just give our, put our hands together and just say thank you, Jesus. Come on, church, we could do better than that. Just say thank you, Jesus for your faithful hand, your protection, your provision, your direction. Here's what I want to do is, um, you know, I mentioned it in kind of the close of that, that message or that video rather. And God throughout the Bible, I want to say in about 12 different places, Old Testament and New Testament, you can find it Acts chapter 7 in the New Testament. God introduces himself as the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And I think it's powerful. I think it's an intentional statement from God that he wants to be the God of multiple generations serving him together in one house. And many churches, if you allow yourself to think about it, maybe some of what cuts off, maybe causes the, the history or the impact of a church to begin to dwindle is maybe a, a lack of appreciation for doing what Pastor Peter and Alice were willing to do with, with Amity and myself with that idea of generational transference of saying, if, we, if this is going to endure for 50, 70, 90 years, we have to be willing to raise up, to release, to empower, to equip. It's why kids ministry, it's why youth ministry, it's why I asked Kendall and Mackenzie to be part of this today, to represent what God had in his heart when he said Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So here's what I've done. I've asked these three couples. I'll give you one guess to guess who's Abraham, who's Isaac, and who's Jacob. <laughs> but I've asked them to pray just kind of as a, just a prophetic, symbolic gesture of three generations standing together, united together, grateful for what God's already done, but stirred with faith for what God is yet to do in your life, in your home, your workplace, in this precious city, in this church, in this nation. So Pastor Peter, would you be so kind as to lead off and pray whatever the Lord has put in your heart today? I'd like to just say that we are honored and privileged to continue to be a part of this body of believers and to uh, support and stand with Pastor Thomas and Amity as they lead our church. We just are privileged and honored. Thank you for continuing to allow us to be a part of your lives. Let's pray. Father, I just want to thank you for the foundation of Jesus Christ in this church. I believe that's 
why it's still here 50 years later is because the foundation was Jesus. And it still is. And by grace, it will still be 50 years from now that Jesus will be at the very foundation of everything we do to share the love of Jesus, the good news of Jesus, the life of Jesus, the power of Jesus, to bring transformation into every person's life that encounters Him. And so, Father, we just thank You for that foundation that was uh, laid by Bob Mendelson. We thank You for my parents, Nick and Inica, that they built upon that foundation. Thank you for the opportunity we had to build upon that foundation. And we thank you as we see Pastor Thomas and Amity building on that same foundation and just the ultimate goal to bring glory and honor to God as the generations continue to take the baton and go forward. Lord, we look for you to continue to do new things as you build upon that foundation. And we continue to ask that we will say, yes, Lord, yes, yes to you, whatever you say, yes, we will follow you generation from generation to generation in Jesus' name. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. So Jesus, I just thank you. I thank you for um, the previous generation and just the unending trust they placed in you. Trust to provide, to equip, to supply all of their needs, Lord. You had a plan and a purpose and that doesn't stop now, Jesus. I pray that this next generation would just be one of boldness, of passion for you, Jesus, that um, there would be a revival ignited in Lawrence, in the surrounding communities, in this nation, that we would hunger and thirst for you you, Jesus, that you just raise up this next generation to be kingdom builders, kingdom changers, Jesus, that we would boldly proclaim our trust and our faith in you, God. I thank you for your faithfulness, for your goodness. I just pray that your hand of blessing would be upon the next 50 years, Jesus. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this generation that was placed here before us, God, and we pray over the next generation coming in, God. We know that you never change, but you're constantly making things new. Jesus, and I just pray that you redeem this generation. You redeem the generation after it, God, so that we can turn back and we can look back in 100 years and see what you did at this point, God. We know that the Jesus movement, um, it happened, but God, it can't not happen again. There's no reason that there can't be another revival, not even just around the country, but around this world. Um, and it starts right here in the city of Lawrence, God. I pray that we can be those people that can be the first to turn to you, the first to be on our knees for you, Jesus. God, we love you and we just pray redemption over our generation and the next one and the next one, Jesus. Just pray for us to cling to you more and more each day. Lord, our, our hearts are filled with gratitude today. And Lord, I, I pray that we would never take for granted again the opportunity to be a part of the church of the Lord Jesus. It is not an obligation. We don't have to get up. We don't have to go. We don't have to serve. We don't have to give. We get to do those things 
to partner with you to be your people, to reveal the gospel, to reveal the heart of the Father to people, to be a unifier in our community, to be a source of hope, to be a source of freedom, to be a light in a dark world where we get to do those things. So help us to never take it for granted again. And Lord, in the wake of appreciation with hearts filled with gratitude for 50 years, of your faithfulness, God, and 50 years of people standing and serving and giving and going. Lord, we thank you that this next 50 years, Lord, that there would even be increase, Lord, that there would be, because of that great cloud of witnesses, because of that faith that stirred, because we look back and see how faithful you've been, God, that we would have the courage and the boldness to continue to stand, to continue to go, to continue to preach, to continue to reach, God, anyone who is far from God, to tell them that there's a God who loves them and there's a Savior named Jesus who came to make a way. And I want to ask you to do something, uh, church family. I want to ask you, would you be so kind and so bold to just um, follow my leading and just lifting your hands before the Lord as if in a posture of receiving? 50 is a significant number to the heart of God. In Leviticus chapter 25, it was described as a year of jubilee where debts were forgiven, where captives were released, where families were reunited on their property that was maybe lost or stolen or taken from them. It was a year of restoration. 50 was the number of Pentecost, 50 days after the crucifixion of Jesus. The Holy Spirit came and empowered the New Testament church, filled their hearts, filled their minds, filled them with a fresh wind. And so I want to ask us to, to present ourselves to receive a fresh anointing today on the 50th as we celebrate 50 years that God would move again today in this moment and fill us fresh and new. Lord, I just declare that over this precious people, this congregation, this church family, a fresh wind, Lord, a fresh fire, Lord, moving in the lives of every man, every woman, every young person, every child, even God. I pray, Lord, that you would just stir faith, Lord, for the future that we have in you, God. In Jesus' name, we receive it and we honor you for it. All the glory, all the honor, all the power, all the dominion, it is yours, Jesus, today. And in that name, we pray. Come on, all the God's people said, amen. Can you put your hands together for Jesus today? Come on, can you put your hands together for the cornerstone of this church, of this family? Hey, let's worship the Lord together one more time together. Let's worship Him and just thank Him and just receive this blessing upon your life and your marriage and your family and your future. Let's worship. We'll come back and we'll dismiss you here in a moment.